0: They marveled at your signs, your wonders. They thought you had died, but you saved the world. A sign, power, divine authority. Expect a miracle. Believe for a miracle. Receive for a miracle. And be responsible to manage your miracle. Where miracles are, there certainly God is.
1: Well, Merry Christmas to all of you. You know, I don't know about you, but it seems like it's been a really full Christmas season. How about for you? Yeah, really full. A lot of activities here. I feel like the energy level is a little low. Does it feel a little low to you? Uh, Maybe give me a little bit more mic because i got to wake him up. But uh, we've seen some great things happen in terms of what God's doing and and how God works in our lives. And, you know, worship is the centerpiece of all we do. It really is. We worship him. That is, we give him worth the, the way we live our life. And we do it sometimes in praise and singing. Sometimes we do it in just a disciplined life. Of honoring God, and sometimes it's in the Word of God, but it's all about giving him worth. And, uh, and worship is such a complex thing because when I say worship, everybody goes to the style of music, right? Does that kind of compute with you? And then there's all these various styles of music that people like. I mean, you know, some of you like more gospel. How many gospel kind of people? Right, a couple of you, three of you. Okay, and then more like praise and worship, praise and worship. Got that? How about hymns? Got like hymns? Got a hymn or two in here? All right, so you see the variety already, okay? Well, I came across this video. Now, this is not real. Some of you are going, where is that? This is not real. This is supposed to be funny. Are you with me? Okay, so I know somebody's going to come out. How do I do that? It's not real. Say it's not real. It's just for fun. All right, so you know about virtual reality, right? You've heard about it. Okay, so we're gonna show you a little bit of the Virtual Reality Church. So sit back and enjoy this video.
2: Tired of having to wake up, and get dressed, and drive across town just to attend your favorite service? Introducing virtual reality church. Start by choosing a church building that meets your needs. Tired of the stress of having to choose a Sunday morning outfit? Never make a fashion mistake again, because Virtual Reality Church will style you based on your denomination. Not a people person? Select the introvert experience to completely eliminate the welcome team, meet and greet time, connect cards, and that awkward hold hands with the person next to you thing we still do. Next, personalize your morning by choosing the worship experience that you want. Feeling a touch of white guilt? Add a minority worship leader. Custom options even let you tailor the skinniness of your worship leader's jeans. Finally, no more having to endure songs that you don't like. With Virtual Reality Church, you're in charge. For the sermon, choose the amount of conviction you like and we'll select a pastor for you. We'll even let you tailor your sermon topics so you'll never have to attend a Vision Sunday or a sermon series on giving. And never worry again about dozing off during the sermon. With Virtual Reality Church, you can sleep as long as you want. Kids being bad in nursery, who cares? Worried about missing a football game? Enter your favorite team and we'll provide notifications when the game is starting. Never miss a kickoff again. Want to go forward for prayer? Well, if you selected a Pentecostal service, always stand in front of a mattress. Even connect your social media accounts and we'll post for you. Get credit for being super spiritual all from the comfort of your couch. Finally, an option for people asking the question, how can I make Sunday morning even more about me? Virtual Reality Church, the future of church attendance.
1: All right. Yeah, I know some of you are going, yeah, I want that. I want that. It's going to be so good. Well, you know, when we talk about worship, Jesus had this encounter with this woman who really was seeking out God, and it was about worship. And as they began to talk, she was from Samaria, and she said, you know, we Samaritans say that we ought to worship, you know, in the area we say, and you Jews say Jerusalem should be where you worship. And if you stop and think about Jesus and his life, Even though he was born in Bethlehem, his entire life and ministry focused around the surrounding cities of Jerusalem. And everything he did really was there. And we ask ourselves, why Jerusalem? Why was he born there? Why not someplace else? Why when he was born? Why was it in that time frame versus another time frame? But I want to take you back to that little dialogue that Jesus had with that woman from Samaria. And here's what he says to her. The hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So, real worship, Jesus said, is in spirit that is, your spirit connected with the Holy Spirit and in the truth, the truth of God. That's when real worship happens. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. So, God is looking for you to worship Him. Isn't that interesting? It's not like we're looking for a place to worship or a reason to worship. The Father is in pursuit of you as a worshiper because when he, he knows what happens to you, it's transformational. When you worship him, it's transformational in your life. When you step back for a moment and think about him and not you and your problems just for a moment, it's amazing how your problems tend to get a little bit smaller because you begin to see the bigness, the greatness of Almighty God. Now, when we go back to the subject of Jerusalem, I want to take you through a little bit of interesting facts about Jerusalem because it is such a strategic thing in the Word of God and in the future of all of us here, and I want to talk about what God is doing in the, around the world. So when we, look, when we study Jerusalem, it's really identified as a capital city of spirituality, If you've ever been there, you know it's divided into quadrants and uh, different areas, and you can go into the Muslim quarter, you can go into the Christian quarter, you can go into the Jewish quarter, and there's all these different areas, and it is a centerpiece of this global spirituality. And no piece of ground is more hotly contested for than Jerusalem. And that's a great question, so why? Why is it so important? And I believe that Scripture gives us some answers. It's interesting, in 1947, the General Assembly of the United Nations declared that Jerusalem would have a different status than every city on planet Earth, and it remains to this day. Corpus Septurum is the body of separate covenant. So the United Nations says there's going to be no other city like Jerusalem. We're not going to do this for any other city. We're going to make it a separate city altogether. So no city on Earth has this particular status. You see, Jerusalem is unique. When Jesus talked about the worship going on in Jerusalem, he said, Jerusalem's significant, yes, but I want you to know what happens in your heart is even more significant. But if you study it, it says of Jerusalem, and it only says of one city, it is the city of God. Now think about that. God looking over all the cities of planet Earth and saying there's only one city I call my city. It is called the city of his dwelling." That is where his presence is. It is also sent to be the center of all the nations in Ezekiel chapter 5. So if you take all the nations of the world, they're not not revolving around Los Angeles or New York or Paris or London or any of those other significant cities in the world. They're all revolving around Jerusalem. In fact, if you pick up news feeds uh, from around the world, you're always going to see one coming in there around Jerusalem. Every president seeks to make its aim to somehow build peace among that center of spirituality, and yet none of them have been successful, nor according to Scripture will they ever be successful in doing that, though all of them try. It is the center of the world. It's, it's said to be not only the center of the nations, but the very center of the world. Think about that. It's like the navel of the body. It is the center of everything that God wants to do. It says in Isaiah 45, he says, it's my city. That's my city. That's not your city. While Palestinians claim it to be their city and Jews claim it to be their city, Christians say this is our city. God says, no, you're all wrong. It's my city. That's significant. That's significant when you begin to study Scripture and when you begin to look worldwide what's happening in that part of the world. It says that he would dwell in the midst of Jerusalem in the book of Zechariah. I'm going to be in your midst. You may not know me. You may not relate to me. You may not worship me in spirit and truth, but I'm going to be there. Think that he was crucified in Jerusalem. It was there in that city where God said, in my city, where my presence is, my son is going to give his life for you. It was in that city that he was resurrected from the dead in Jerusalem. The scene of the great battle, the last battle on planet Earth called Armageddon, it will happen in the outskirts of Jerusalem. It's said to be the greatest city that, that, uh, the greatest battle that mankind has ever known. None will ever, has ever compared to it, nor will there be any battle after it like that battle of Armageddon. The second coming of Jesus Christ will come in Jerusalem. Won't come in Kansas City or Salt Lake City. It'll come in Jerusalem. Why there? Why? Because it's my city. It's my dwelling place. Do you realize that your heart is a dwelling place of God? When we think about the birth of Christ, we think so much about uh, all that's preceded that and coming up to that. And we've, we've spoken now two different messages on the leading up to and the birth of Christ. But now we need to take that birth and say, what do I do with that birth uh, announcement that God made and that experience that happened there? Because it wasn't just about a baby being born. It was about your heart being transformed. It's about you recognizing how to worship God in spirit and in truth. One of the things we do know is that God is shaking the earth right now. There's a shaking that goes on. You know, you look around the world and there's always been turmoil in our world. There's always been wars and rumors of wars. All those things have been going on. But what we know is when we study the Bible from a prophetic standpoint, meaning what does God say about the future? And God put a a, a clock, a prophetic clock that began to tick in 1948 when Israel was born as a nation. In fact, Isaiah asked the question in Isaiah 66, can a nation be born in a day? And the answer is yes, Israel was born in one day. And what that happened, that began a ticking of a prophetic clock where we see more prophetic events being fulfilled every day than we've seen probably in the last 500 or 1,000 years. And that's pretty interesting and pretty amazing for us living in this time. Because we're living not only in this time of great prophetic fulfillment, but we're living in this time of great turmoil in our world, aren't we? I mean, read the headlines and you go, what is going on in this world? Think about the school systems and how they've changed. Think about government and how it's changed. Think about your own life and how it's changed. And not all of it is good change. I think we could agree on that. Haggai said this in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more... It is in a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the dry sea, the, the, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of the nations. Do you know that Jesus is the desire of the nations? Do you know that people long for God, even who, don't, who reject God, who don't want to be around God? I was having a dialogue with a young man right after the first service uh, yesterday yesterday. And he's a a pre-law student. And I said, well, tell me, uh, what church do you attend? He named the city he was in. He said, well, I I actually don't believe, but I'd like to believe. And I said, well, tell me more. I I appreciate your honesty there. He said, well, you you know, I just have my own worldview, and it really doesn't include that. And I began to just ask him some questions. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever really studied the Word of God? No, not at all. Have you ever tried to disprove the Word of God? No, not at all. I said, well, at least you're an honest doubter. You see, there's two different kinds of doubters. One is dishonest, who tries to make you believe that they've done all of that but just don't believe. And then there's those honest doubters who come along and they say, well, you know, I've really done that research or I'd like to do that research. I'd like to discover God. And I began to just talk to him about things that don't relate to church. You see, sometimes when we, when we come to this time of year, everybody kind of says, yeah, J- baby Jesus, that's cute, that's historically true, but was he supernatural? Was he, was he the son of God? Did he die on a cross and rise from the dead? That I can't buy into. And so when you ask, start asking the right kind of questions, well, let me ask you something about just the world and the creation of the world. And as I began to probe, he said, you know, I'd like to get more information. I'd like to know more about that because it's it's better to approach someone who's looking for God from a standpoint of, let me challenge you with your mind. Let me challenge you with your heart second and your mind first and let it all catch up. But God says, I'm going to shake the nations and I'm going to bring everyone to the desire of the nations. You see, I really believe what I'm getting ready to say. I believe everybody wants to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I just believe that stuff gets in the way. Sometimes religion gets in the way. Bad experience gets in the way. Lack of knowledge gets in the way. An unloving Christian gets in the way. Something gets in the way of really knowing God and the desire of the nations. Because every atheist and agnostic I've ever talked to, literally every one of them, I would say except one, was a friend of mine who was a Cambridge graduate and taught at CU Boulder in that uh, archaeology department there, every single one of them except one, has said, if there's a God, and the God is the Bible, I would like to know that God. I just can't believe. I I can't get over something. I can't overcome this obstacle or that obstacle. But many of those have come to faith in Christ because what they said was, deep down inside of me, there is a longing to know God. Anselm wrote in the fourth century, he said, in every man there is a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. So there's a hole inside of us that we know is there we try to fill it with all kinds of stuff things experiences but the only thing that really fits is is that God shape that God has to come into our life And once God comes into our life it's amazing how people when you talk to them they say well how do you know there's a God and they'll say something like this well I just know why how can you just know because when a transformational process happens in your heart You're made to function the way God created you, and that is to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the desire in your heart to try to find fulfillment or to find answers can only be found in the God of the Bible. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the giving of the Spirit of God. And He says this notice what He says, the desire of the nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. God says, I'm all about filling the temple. You know what the revelation of the New Testament believer is? That you, as a human being, when you believe in God, you become the temple of the living God. You're the moving, breathing, walking uh, presence of God when you believe in Him. Because guess what? His spirit comes in you. His glory is living through you. You say, well, I know a lot of Christians, they're not given much glory and they're not perfect. Exactly. We're still human, right? Right? I know some non-Christians want us to be non-human so that they can make excuses for their own life. It's better just to say, hey, we're all broken, but some are in the process of repair and complete restoration. Because, you see, once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what happens? You begin this process of knowing him, but then he's little by little he's transforming your life to be more and more like him. Because deep down inside you say, I have this desire to do that. This young man said to me, I really want to believe. Now, think about that. I really want to believe. After announcing just a few minutes earlier, he's an atheist or an agnostic. He wasn't sure. There's something inside of us. You see, when God shakes the earth, it's to get our attention. When God shakes your world, it definitely gets your attention, doesn't it? You say, my world has been shaken. What do I do with that now? And there's, there's something in all of that, in that chaos and that disruption. You, you say, I need something stable in my life. And so you move into this realm of stability of God and say, God is my stable place. God is a very present help in time of trouble, the Scripture says. God shakes our, our world to draw us into himself. We all, I think we've all had that experience when we go through difficult times. What does it immediately do for you? It says, i got to get closer to God. Now, when things get better, sometimes you kind of forget that. Right? I always like to say when I'm speeding and the officer pulls me over, my prayer life goes up exponentially. Right? I pray for temporary blindness on the part of the officer. I mean, I, I do all kinds of things, right? But, but, but what is it about it? God wants to draw us in to himself. Also, when God shakes the earth, it's to fill his temple with his glory. So when you see the world shaking, he says, you know what? The answer to the world's problems Is you. You're the answer. You're the answer to the world's problems. When my glory is in you and you reflect me to people, they get to connect with that God-shaped vacuum in a fresh and a real and a tangible way. You know, it's Christmas. It's a time we celebrate, a time we remember. It's time we, we take stock in the things that we should take stock in. It's time when we look back and go, it's been a pretty good year. Maybe you say, I've had a couple of setbacks. Maybe you've had a lot of setbacks. But you can look back and go, you know what? I could see hands, God's hand in a lot of those moments. And as I look forward now to the next year, I look forward and say, I want to see God even more present in my life. Because if the world continues to shake, and it will, and if the shaking becomes more intense, and it probably will, I want to make sure that my life is stable, my love for God is solid, and my love for mankind increases over and over again. Amen? You know, there's one scripture that I love. We were in Rome uh, a few years ago, and we were sitting down with a, uh, a man that owned a hotel there. And he was completely deaf. He was kind of an anomaly of, of nature. He, he was born deaf, but he could speak, read lips, and then he could speak. And from his hotel, you could look and see the Vatican. And we began to talk to him about the Lord. And he was trying to, trying to find a way to build a bridge with his daughter who was in her mid-twenties. And Tammy was talking to the daughter and I was talking to the dad. And as I was talking to him, I said to him, love never fails. And he repeated it back. He was reading my lips. He re- repeated back, love never fails. And then I turned to John 3, 16. And I had him read it, had him read it out loud from my phone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he looked at me and he said, who is the Son? Living in one of the most religious towns, cities in the world, overlooking the Vatican, he said, who is the Son? And I said, Jesus. he started weeping. Because you see, it doesn't matter how deep you are in religion, unless you have that personal relationship with Christ, that desire of the nations is not fulfilled in your heart. I want to ask you to, to stand with me for a moment. We're going to pray. And I'm going to give you an invitation right now. To just reach out to the God of the Bible, the God who wants to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. If religion's got in your way, if circumstances and people and challenges have got in your way, I want you to just for a moment set them aside and say, God, I just want to set aside all my stuff. I want that desire of the nations, that desire of my heart to be fulfilled as I worship you in spirit and in truth. A simple prayer that, that we can offer before God if we're searching for God goes like this you can repeat it with me right where you stand or right where you sit. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross to give me life, eternal life. I believe you were buried in a tomb. You rose from the dead. And if I put my faith in you, I will be saved. Save me, Lord Jesus. If that were the words of your mouth and the intentions of your heart, I want you to know that God did exactly what God said God would do. You say, well, it seems too simple. If I made it difficult, if I said you had to read the Bible and go to church and never miss a day the rest of your life, would that make it easier for you? You see, God doesn't doesn't build it all around what we do. It's about what He did at Calvary. Amen? about what he did. He loves you. He died for you. He rose from the dead for you. And if that was your, your faith response, give him the glory. Just give him the thanks. Give him the praise. If you want to talk more about that, you can come see us afterwards. Before we close our service, we, uh, we started something years ago. I, I realized when I studied Scripture that there was just kind of a dimension that the local church was kind of missing out on. And doing and blessing. And it was really single moms. And we watched single moms for years just, you know, do the impossible. I mean, I remember when my kids were little and my, my wife would leave me with them. I needed an army. I didn't even know what to do. You know, I would just try to, you can stay with that diaper's okay. It'll make it till mom gets home. I mean, I just think about all the complexity and and yet I so admire the single moms who work hard, who raise families, who show up in church, who serve, um, who contribute back to their communities. I mean, it's just to me, I just want to say to all you single moms, thank you, thank you, thank you for the, the vital role you play in society. And I thought, what can we do about that? What can we do about that? And I thought, you know what? What does a single mom need at Christmas time? And I just think money. i just be honest with you so what i want to do today is we've done this now i think it's our sixth year in doing this we're six years old i think we've done it every year um we're going to ask you to give for single moms we want you to know that every penny you give is going to go to single moms i already put my check in the offering plate i have two one for church and one for single moms and so i'm going to ask you if you're a single mom i want everybody just to bow your head right now we're just going to pray uh, blessings over there. If you're a single mom, if you'd come up here and give us your name and your address, we want to mail you a check. And uh, there are going to be some people up here to help you with that. Um, Father, we just thank you, God, for the single moms in the house. We thank you, God, that they are so, um, such great champions of their families. They're such great champions of, uh, of their children. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as we we sing that, God, you'll just uh, free the feet of those uh, those moms. This is not anything to be embarrassed about. This is something to celebrate. You've done a great job, and we want to love on you a little bit more. And so uh, as we just uh, drop the house lights down and sing this song, we're just going to ask you as a single mom to come. Give us your name, your address, so that we can mail you a check in the next two weeks. All right? So let's just sing together. Oh Just tell you one story there's so many stories that have come out of the single mom's offering but one year uh, we sent an offering to a mom to a lot of moms actually and one of them wrote me back and said the only money I had was the money you gave me I didn't know how I was gonna pay bills and I, I was gonna get food and know how I was gonna do anything she said and I got it and the first thing I did and this is amazing I learned this a year after the event she said I took what you gave me and I tithed on it I said God I need your help because there's no amount I'm out of work my husband hasn't paid any alimony I don't know what I'm gonna do a year later she showed up and she gave me a check for $1,500 and she said I want you to know the moment I stepped forward and accepted that love gift from you and then honored God back two weeks later I got a job and this is, I just want to give back and said, can you designate this to the single moms? I said, absolutely, we can. And I just, I, I just think it's such a great giving and releasing thing that we do. Um, so I just want you, if you feel led and you, you came prepared to do that and you can do something, um, we're going to have people stationed at the door and they'll, they'll take an offering. If you want to use a credit card, you can use one of the envelopes and just mark on the credit card or the envelope very carefully, single moms. So whatever we get, we give. We only have one rule, and that is you have to be in this service to receive it because we'll get, like, 20 calls of everybody knowing single moms, all right? And we can't do that, all right? So we just we only have one rule, and that is, you know, we just honor those who are here and bless them uh, the best way we can. So, guys, I want you to all have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. And thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for what you've given back to your families, to your communities, to this church, um, what you've done in worshiping God. And uh, we just pray you'll have a great, great uh, Christmas week. Uh, if you have a prayer request, go by the prayer wall. and It never hurts to, uh, to really just stop, pause, and pray, not only for your needs, but the needs of others, and see what God can do. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's let's uh, let's just be dismissed. Uh, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your ministry to us, for the kingdom of God, uh, for the revelation we have of you, and for the praise we give to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week.